Hello, everyone, and welcome back to In the Huddle. And we are here today with a special, special episode here of In the Huddle, episode 100, triple digits. It's crazy, boys. It doesn't seem like that long ago that we were out here starting this show. Uh, and really, we've been having a great time ever since. So I wanted to say I'm happy to have both my guys, The Real Lil and Carmelo, joining me here today. Boys, happy 100. How are we doing today? Happy 100 to In the Huddle Sports Radio, man. I remember, you know, the way how this came about. It's crazy how the universe works and how the universe operates because my freshman year is when I met Cam uh, when I was at my other college, you know. And me and Cam really didn't talk a lot when I was at that school, even though we had class together. And then um, I transferred, ended up going to Cortland. That's where I met Zach. In my politics class, I remember that class like it was yesterday, Yes, and sir. we used to talk about sports, like, in between the classroom, I mean, in the classes and after the class. And then, um, you know, we had you on my Mike and Lil show, and then we decided to do our own thing. Kenny C, I met Kenny C as well. Shout out to him. I know he's been busy. We're going to get him a part of this show real soon. And, um, you know, Cam linked up with us. He hit me up. We had him on the show. And then it's just crazy how the universe operates. But you know what? It's the one double O. I don't want to waste no more time talking. We got some news coming up. I'll probably explain that at the end of the show, but I'm ready to get this show started today, right now. What's going on, gentlemen? You know, it's been it's been a long time coming since we lost, you know, saw each other. Just want to say thanks for having me on. I remember around this time last year, I hit up Lil. I like, hey man, I love the show that you guys have uh, in the huddle. I love the content that you guys display each and every week. And you know, till this day, man, I'm truly grateful to be a, a part of this show and happy and happy 100 once again. Let's get started. Absolutely, Cam. Thanks for joining us. It's always a great time when you come on this show. And Lil, I just wanted to reflect, man. Like, I absolutely agree 100%. It's crazy how things work out. And I still think of when the topic of the pandemic and the coronavirus comes up, and a lot of people, whenever they ask me, how did you get through quarantine? You know, what kept yourself going in the huddle for me had a lot to do with it. So I just wanted to say once again, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful every Monday after football season, it was uh, during football season, it was always a, a great time recording with you guys. So I'm really looking forward to see uh, what the journey comes between the In the Huddle family. And I know we're going to be doing some big things. So I'm looking forward to that. But anyways, as Cam said, let's get this show started. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. And we've had some good series. We've had some bad series. But there has been one common thing in a lot of these series. And that is fan behavior. And it is crazy because fans really just started being let back into the building pretty recently at the start of these playoffs. And already we have been, we have seen Trey Young get spit on by a fan at Madison Square Garden. We've seen John Morant's mom get called a B word by fans in Utah. We've seen Russell Westbrook when he was injured walking into the locker room, some fans threw popcorn on him. And we've seen a fan in Boston throw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. And I got to say, guys, why is this happening? Okay. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure if it's because they've been in the house for way too long. But this is very uncalled for, man. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not sure. I just felt like, you know, these fans, they don't know how to behave themselves. You feel me? Once when, you know, once when the opportunity was granted for them to come back to the arenas, you know, they just act like a bunch of kids, bro. And that's very uncalled for. And I feel like, you know, these players are humans. 
they're not animals. You get what I mean? You know, treat them with respect and some type of de uh, decency. At the end of the day, you know, they come out there and perform for you guys. And, you know, at the end of the day, at least be appreciative and, you know, appreciate what they're doing on the court for you guys. But, you know, for this to happen, I think right now the NBA should implement more security. Um, uh, I believe that as far as like for, for food and beverages, let, you know, do not bring into the actual arena, like um, the seating area, I would say, like take it by the concierge area or like the concession stand and, you know, just implement more security, you know, to um, protect these players because it's, it's getting very out of hand. Yes, it is. And um, before I get philosophical here, you know, when you listen to a show that involves the real Lil, I'm going to get philosophical. It speaks to the pandemic and how we see a lot of people lose, losing their minds. Just flat out, I'm going to call it what it is, lost their minds. You know, a lot of people have been home. They get outside. They don't know how to act. We have a lot of mass shootings going on in the world. I just feel like this pandemic has made people lost their minds. And it, it is what it is. I think that it's a product of that. And, um, you know, the fans was without sports, you know, for a long time. And now that they're being able to watch sports, I think that if you're Adam Silver, man, you you should threaten going back to the bubble if that's the case and let these fans watch it right at home if they want to act like the way how they acting because it has to be something done. And I feel like that, you know, the NBA do need to do a better job of protecting these players, you know, because at the end of the day, you can't control thousands of fans. You cannot control what they're going to do, you know, and that's one thing. But to get on the philosophical side here too, I just think that it goes back to a point that people look at you for what you are as far as what you can bring to them. You know, you're looked at as an athlete. You're not looked at as a human being. Kyrie Irving, he even said it. You know, you're not looked at as a human being. We only like you because you know how to dribble a basketball. And if you didn't, we don't care about you. You know, if you something happened to you, we wouldn't care. But because you know how to dribble a ball and entertain, that's what you're called to do. And we don't treat you like men. And that's just what it is. Yeah, I think that fans have to realize where to draw a line. I don't know about you guys, but I've been to many sporting events over my lifetime. And especially as I've gotten older, and especially as alcohol has become a big part in the fan experience. I have said some things as a fan that, you know, I'm not going to say on a street to a random person, whether it is Trey is balding. Like I was all over that chant the other night. F Trey Young, F Trey, I was all over that. That was great. That is great for the game. And when you have fans that involved in the game, that is phenomenal. But at the end of the day, we all have to realize we cannot be out here crossing lines. We cannot bring racism into it. We cannot be throwing anything. And if you want to say whatever you want to get on your opponent, uh, your uh, the team you're facing, you want to throw them off his game, go for it. That is part of basketball. That's part of what makes basketball great. And I don't know about you guys, last year, you know, it was great to have the NBA bubble back, but I miss those fans so much. And having that atmosphere, whether it's in – the basketball playoffs or whether it's in the NHL playoffs, it is so nice to see. And it's unfortunate because I do think uh, a majority of the fans aren't doing this. They're not uh, responsible, but the problem is if one person does it, that's going to be on the news and it's going to be all over the place. So I just think we have to be smarter. And let me ask you guys this, like why do you guys think this is happening now all of a sudden? Do you guys think that all of a sudden Fans just decided that when they show up to a game, just because they have a ticket, like they could do whatever they want. Just because you have a driver's license, it doesn't mean you could just go through red lights. 
just because you're allowed to drive. We have to realize that there are rules being in place, and I'm trying to figure out why fans all of a sudden are showing up to these games thinking there are no rules just because I have a ticket, I can do whatever I want, because it wasn't always this way. I'm trying to figure out what changed you. Well, I'll well, tell you what changed, Zach. I'll just keep it very quick and simple. When Once one started to do it, that's when more is going to start to do it. We live in a trendy world. All right, let's just call it what it is. On social media, if I post a picture, somebody's going to want to post a picture right after me. We live in that trendy world. We saw one mass shooting. Now we're seeing three, four, five. So, like, like that's worth getting arrested for. That's that's worth being banned from stadiums. Like, like I don't, I don't know, bro. Like, like I, I, that doesn't make much sense to me. Like, it I really mean, doesn't. some people feel like they're in a pandemic. They have nothing to lose. They have nothing to go back home to. So, what the hell with it? You know, that's what it seems like to me. I mean, for me, I just feel like you know, like these guys, since you know, they are diehard home teams. Like, for instance, like the incident happened in Boston. You know, you know, I just feel like you know they just um defending their team. You feel me? So by all means necessary, if they see a opposing opposing guy on an opposing team come in and disrespect, because believe it or not, Kyrie Irving kind of initiated that thing when he stepped on the logo on the Boston logo. So do I agree with defending by throwing the water bottle? Absolutely not. But, you know, you have to keep it into perspective. Like, you have some people that are diehard for their team, and they're willing to do anything, you know, to be sure that that team stay respected at all times. But I'm just but trying it, to figure out why this wasn't happening, like, five years ago. Like, like what changed? You know what I mean? Like, what changed? Like, I mean, Zach, like, to be honest with you, I could say the same thing. We went from not wearing masks to a year later wearing okay, masks. But, okay, changed. but I'll tell you why, <laughs> you though. Know? We had a <laughs> pandemic. Like, we had a virus that hit that could have, you know, that unfortunately killed so many I, people. I, I just don't – I'm just looking for a reason here, and that's why I'm confused. Like, there's there's no reason that I've found yet that explains why this keeps on happening. And you're right. If it, if it does keep on happening, the NBA is going to have to make a change, whether it is moving fans uh, – further away from the floor that's one thing about the nba that if you don't go to a lot of games like not a lot of people realize when you go to an nba game how close you are if you're sitting courtside like you're literally right there you could breathe on the players and it's not a great look for the nba when earlier in this series they had coaches uh being forced to wear masks and then a couple games later a fan spits on one of their commodities trey young that's a problem for the league that needs as as a knicks fan uh that was very disgusting to watch i I am a knicks fan i want to see the knicks crowd when trey young's when Trey Young had the ball in his hand, I want to see, you know, screw Trey Young, F Trey Young. I want to see that. You know what I'm saying? Because the crowd is what gives us life. And we need a whole lot of life right now, the way that we've been playing. So we need our crowd to get up there and get to these players and get under their skin. But when you spit on somebody, that's the ultimate sign of disrespect. I know somebody that once told me, you can slap me, you can punch me, but don't spit on me. Otherwise, it's a whole different ball game. So you're going to be seeing red real soon. So, you know, that's one thing I don't condone. I think Trey Young should have pressed charges. I know he wanted to focus on the game and he didn't want to get a lot of distractions, you know, clouding him, you know, over this time. But at the same time, man, you got to make, you got to make, you know, an example out of somebody. And I think that he should have pressed charges, but it is what it is. All right, boys, any other uh, last thoughts on this topic? It's, I think it's just that simple. Like, you know, I'm going to be going to the, the Brooklyn Nets game tonight, and I'm, I'm going to be curious to see. This is going to be my first sporting event uh, going to since uh, COVID hit and, you know, since the NBA and all this stuff has been going on. So I'm very curious to see in uh, the Barclays Center tonight if anything uh, goes on, especially with Kyrie Irving and the boys uh, trying to end that series. against the Pay it back. Revenge.
to the next topic, topic number two. And boys, I'm actually going to start this one off. And this is a topic that's been in the news for a couple of weeks now, but I think it was good that we held onto it because uh, this is juicy. Julio Jones, the receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, he's been in the news over the last couple of weeks. He's actually been, I think, the number one story in the NFL over the last couple of weeks. I think Aaron Rodgers, he's kind of in a hold uh, position right now. We'll see what's going on there uh, as things change. But Julio Jones, we all saw what happened between him and Shannon Sharp on, on, on Undisputed. And when that happened, I think it became clear to everyone that the Atlanta Falcons and Julio Jones were not going to be on the same terms moving on this season. So that brought up the question, what team should trade for Julio Jones? And before I answer that, I'll say this. I don't know why the Falcons are all of a sudden deciding to trade Julio Jones if they decided to draft Kyle Pitts. Because my thing is, if the Falcons were trading Julio Jones, if they're going to trade Julio Jones, they're basically admitting that they're in full-on rebuild mode and that they're not going to be able to win anything this season. Even with Julio Jones, I don't think they're going to be able to really win anything. But anyways, um, I just think they have too many holes to take a tight end with the number four overall pick. But whatever, that's a topic we could debate for another day. Believe it or not, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think the Los Angeles Chargers have a chance to win a Super Bowl within the next two to three years. Because they have Justin Herbert on the cheap. And I think that when you look at the Chargers, this is a real opportunity here. This is an opportunity to look at the city they're in and say, wow, we have the Lakers here. We have the Los Angeles Rams here, and we know the Rams, a team that we share a building with, would be all over this move if they had the draft capital and if they had the pieces to do it. And I think that the Chargers right now, without Julio Jones, are a playoff team. I really believe that. I love what Justin Herbert did last year. I think Keenan Allen is one of the 10 best receivers in football. I think they have a lot of talent on that team. And I think Mike Williams, he hasn't been a bust but he hasn't been as good as a top 10 wide receiver should be. This is a team that lost Hunter Henry as well. I think Julio Jones to the Chargers would be perfect. And if that does happen, I know the Kansas City Chiefs are in that AFC West, and we have to respect them as the two-time defending AFC West champions, AFC champions as well. But I think if the Chargers would get Julio Jones, we could see a situation like we've seen in the NFC West over the last couple of years with Seattle and San Francisco in the top of that division, and Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the top of that division. I think the Chargers have a real opportunity here to make a big move. I think they should do it. Okay. Wow. Hey, you say the Chargers. Hey, that's a touchy one, Zach. But, you know, great points about that. Uh, in my opinion, I believe that um, the Seattle Seahawks should go after um, Julio Jones. Um, you know, I believe having Julio on that team will definitely improve the passing game for Seattle going to be with DK, Tyler Lockett, you know, those three right there. I believe that, you know, they could be a, a very dangerous group, receiving group. Also, too, um, Seattle is a team that always go to the playoff almost every year. You know what I mean? So that would be a good situation for Julio to be in right now. So And also, too, Pete Carroll is a great coach. So I do feel like uh, Pete Carroll and Julio relationship will, you know, go hand in hand together. Cam, or Lil, I'm sorry, before you say anything, I just want to respond to that real quick. My only problem with that, Cam, is I don't think the Seahawks could afford him. There's been no sign that uh, the Atlanta Falcons are going to be willing to uh, at least pay a bunch of that contract, if much more. He's making $20 million. So realistically, for that to work out, the Falcons are still going to have to pay like 
$8 million of that. I just don't know if that's going to be able to work out on paper. I like it, but from a salary cap perspective, I just don't know if that's going to work. I know Baltimore has been another team that a lot of people has been bringing up, Green Bay as well, Saints as well, uh, Tennessee, those five teams actually. They're just not in a very uh, good salary cap position right now to make a move. So I'm curious to see if they'd be able to work it out, but I don't know. Well, I would say this to start us off here. Um, in regards to Julio and the comment that you made when you started your statement, Zach, about the Falcons being in this kind of limbo where they're trying to rebuild or if they're trying to contend, I feel like with Matt Ryan, he actually puts them in a difficult situation because who's going to take on that contract? So they in a position where they're trying to do both. You know, you had Matt Ryan there. Do you really want to go full rebuild mode? Do you want to build your team? Do you want to compete? Right, so, right. so but, why um, are you trading well, you trade Julio so you can get some value back so you can try to build that team around. You know, that's why when you draft Kyle Pitch, you still want to keep that identity of being this high-flying offense. But by trading Julio, you want to get some assets that you can use to build on the defensive side of the ball, which needs help, which obviously is terrible. They always had the offense, and now they're trying to retool the offense. But at the same time, you trading Julio allows you to build on the defensive side of the ball. If you're a smart guy, that's what you should do. So I don't mind them trading Julio at all. You allow Kyle Pistov off. You still got Calvin Ridley. You still going to have a deadly offense that can compete with anybody. And then you get the draft capital that you can continue to add on to um, to build that defensive side of the board so you can try to compete in the years to come. Because Tom you Brady is not going to be right. in the I, league I'm forever. Real quick. I just think Matt Ryan is washed. I think – I don't know. Yeah, if... me too. Me too. But it, it, <laughs> And I think a lot of people think that. So that's why it's going to be hard to get a trade for him with that contract. So, right, um, so I just think I agree with you when you say um, that just puts the Falcons in a terrible position. Yeah, terrible position. And um, so when we get back to Julio Jones here and where <laughs> he should go, I like the creativity, Zach. I know a lot of the times what made this show, what carried this show from our fans, from what they say is the creativity that we bring to the table in regards to certain topics. We don't go with the limbo. We don't go with the trend. We try to think outside the box. And that's fair. I like the Chargers. The Chargers are going to be a great team in years to come. But I think that sometimes some things are a little bit up there for the taking. You know, you just kind of got to go with it. And I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans here. It, all, it checks all the boxes. I mean, I know it's going to be hard to sign Julio to a longer extension because he's going to want to get paid. He already said he wants to get a contract. But all you got to do is do what the Buccaneers did. The Buccaneers made magic, okay? They didn't have that, the cap space to do exactly what they did, but they made it work. They restructured some deals. So if you go to Ryan Tannehill, you say, look, my brother, let's restructure that beautiful lemonade contract that you got, my brother, so we can be able to pay your new toy that you have alongside A.J. Brown. They do that, they're going to be fine. You put him alongside A.J. Brown. You lost John o. Smith. You're tied into the Patriots. You lost Corey Davis, who had an excellent breakout year last year, who was second fiddle to A.J. Brown. Now you get Julio Jones on the other side. They want to play together. There's a connection there. Derrick Henry, you run the football, play action. You got two guys that can burn you down the football field. You're going to be open for business. So if you're the Tennessee Titans, you make that call. Well, let me ask you this. I'm just curious. I know, you know, Tom Brady is your guy, and uh, part of what makes him, we talk about it all the time, so great, is that he is willing to sacrifice for his team uh, by taking less money. My only thing with that is, bro, like, do we have any evidence that there's any other quarterback not named Tom Brady that's willing to take a contract extension? Like, Ryan Tannehill got paid guap. Like, I know Julio Jones is great, but you think that all of a sudden he's just going to say, 
Oh, I'll take less money. Like, like, like I just don't know if I can see that happening. Like, it I know all depends on the priorities. That. Because if you're Ryan Tannehill, do you want to win or do you want to get paid? You know what I'm saying? So I think, that's he, I, think that, I think it's I think it's fair to say that he's gonna that he could the answer to that question could be he wants to get paid. Be, well, look he, at Deshaun Watson. Look at Russell Wilson, bro. See, you, I, that's, seen, that's, that's 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 I, I don't know. I don't know if he wants to get paid. I don't know how that's gonna work. But I do know if you if he wants another toy. You know what I'm saying? You see Russell Wilson, you see these other guys that want to get paid and still want talent. It doesn't work like that. So you say, listen, we're going to get you another toy in Julio Jones alongside A.J. Brown. Don't thank me now. Thank me later. We're going to restructure that deal. And that's just what it is. Simple as that. It don't got to be so complicated. It don't got to be Einstein. It don't got to be Nostradamus. It could be all be so simple. Lauren Hill said that in her song. It could all be so simple, but you'd rather make it hard. So another thing, too, the reason why if I'm the Falcons, I'm actually willing to trade Julio to the Titans. And that's the only team I'm willing to trade him to if they give me a second-round pick is because I'm keeping him out of that NFC. I'm not going to send Julio Jones to a team in the NFC where they can compete. So, you know, I, I will definitely trade him to the Titans. I think it makes sense on both sides. And the Titans know they need that help, so they're going to give up more. than I think the Chargers will give up to acquire Julio Jones. I don't know if you saw also, um, the, there was a report that came out earlier this week that the Falcons have uh, already discussed multiple deals for, for, for a first-round pick for Julio Jones. I don't know about you guys, but I think that report is absolute bogus because if they were getting a first-round pick back for Julio Jones, they would have dealt him already. It doesn't seem like they were too happy what happened on Undisputed, and I think, once again, it's pretty clear to both parties that it is uh, best uh, to move on uh, from each other. But at the same time, we'll see how it goes. Um, I really don't know where this is going to end up, man, because yeah. there are plenty of teams that could use a guy uh, like Julio Jones. It's also interesting to see. Will, let me ask you this, man. At this point in his career, Julio Jones, we know that he is one of the best receivers that we've seen in our lifetime as football fans growing up. He is a physical beast. But the answer is yes, Zach. I know exactly what you're going to ask. The answer is yes. You do. I'm just saying, I'm just Julio saying. Jones. What? I'm sorry. No, I say I, I think I know what you're gonna ask, and I'm I'm answering yes. You any team? What, tell me what do you what do you think I'm asking? What do you think I'm asking? You're gonna ask me is it worth Julio Jones paying the price for a guy that's aging? That's what I'm guessing. I don't know. I no, so know. yeah, I'm just asking, bro. Like AJ Green is a perfect example, right? I know um, we could compare those two guys and the careers they've had, and Julio Jones has obviously had the better career, but it's not too far off. AJ Green had a great five, six, seven year run in Cincinnati. And then two years ago, he got hurt. And then last year, he looked done. Like, he looked washed. Are we sure that that's not going to happen to Julio Jones? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure because A.J. Green, I could tell based on his routes that he lost a step. When it comes to Julio, I just think that there's a reason why he's the most double-team wide receiver for all these years, you know? And people underestimate that. I still think that Julio Jones have a lot to give, mind you. He's going to have a, you know, let's say he goes to the Seattle Seahawks or the Ravens or the Patriots, any of those teams. He won't have to take on that load, you know what I'm saying, to be having the ball don't him or to be double teams, you know. So I think that if you're – Let me ask you, though. If you're the Tennessee Titans, you're willing to give up a first-round pick and pay him $20 million? You're all in with that. That's a risky. That's risky, man. That's risky. In, the, in, in this life, you gotta make. Um, you gotta make risks, Zach. You gotta. You gotta take risks. You know, and and there's two ways you win in the NFL. Sometimes you build the long way. The Chargers, 
they build in from the ground up. They build in something that I that you talked about to start off your show. Sometimes you're the Rams, you know, sometimes you're the Buccaneers. You're you go for it. You're aggressive. You pay guys, you pay stars. So it's two ways you can win in the NFL. And I think that if you're any of these teams like the Seattle Seahawks, like the Ravens, that are in positions to win, any team, mainly 80% of the teams in the NFL should be on the phone right now or trying to make a trade for Julio, should I say. Before we end this topic, I'm going to throw out two other teams that besides the Chargers really stuck out to me that haven't come up yet. Number one is the Patriots. I think they yes. need weapons. Yes. I think that would be a great addition. He would be a clear WR1. And number two, watch out for the Washington football team. I think that if you pair Julio Jones up with Terry McLaurin with a coach like Ron Rivera – that defense. I know that Ryan Fitzpatrick has never made the playoffs in his career, and it is still super, super unknown what he could do. But I think if you give the Washington football team Julio Jones and that defense and that coach, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick could do something. It would be the best opportunity he would ever have to win a division. Yeah. And um, okay. I, also feel like, me... um, I also feel like this reminds me of 2007 when Randy Moss was in Oakland in his last year in Oakland, and it was a similar situation. You know, they're both Julio and Randy Moss. They was in their early 30s, you know, pretty much they was having oh, a great yeah. career. And, you know, how I say they both wanted to go somewhere where they want to be accepted, you feel me? You know, pretty much we ended the situation. That's why I feel like what's going to happen for Julio, whatever team, you know, something like the Patriots, because, you know, I've seen the Patriots do this before with Randy Moss. I believe, like, you know, Julio Jones won't be washed. Like, in other words, his career is going to you know, be rise. Re-energized, again. exactly. Yeah, yeah. going to be re-energized. So, um, for some reason, Zach said something, and from there, that's why I thought of New England, because I've seen Belichick do something like this before, and he's witnessed a situation with Randy Moss. So, I believe, like, Belichick could do the same with Julio, in my opinion. Yeah, they need weapons, bro. It's as simple as that. No matter who's going to be under center, Cam Newton, Mac Jones, like Tom Brady left because they didn't have weapons for him. Like, it, it's really that simple. Like, so whoever is going to be under center, they need uh, Im- improved weapons. I know the Patriots spent a lot of money in the offseason, but realistically, do we know 100% that they're going to be significantly better on the offensive side of the ball? I don't. I mean, I like Hunter Henry. I like John Smith, but we'll see uh, what those guys could do. Moving on, topic number three. Or do we have anything else, Blue? I'm sorry. Nah, I would just say that that's why I was, you know, up and down like a seesaw when it came to my team. It was the Titans or the Patriots for me because the Patriots was very aggressive this offseason. So why not cap it off? Why not put – why give somebody a present without the bow on it, you know? Put the bow on a present before you give it to somebody. <laughs> exactly, because as much money as the Patriots have spent, realistically, do we know how much better they've gotten? Topic number three, let's stay in the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes was quoted over this past weekend saying that he is eyeing a 20-0 season. We know that there is going to be an extra game added to the NFL schedule, a 17-game season, along with the possible three playoff wins it would take if the Chiefs end up getting that number one seed and the bye. So look, 20-0. We haven't seen an undefeated season since the 1972 Miami Dolphins. Will, I see that uh, look on your face already. What started off, kid? Yeah, man. Um, I don't know why Patrick Mahomes has any interest in trying to go undefeated because I really feel like well, your goal in the NFL should be 
to win a championship. And if you're talking about going undefeated, that means, you know, there's guys that gets hurt, you know, trying to go undefeated. What about the Warriors that won 73 um, games, right? Didn't guys get hurt? That's the reason why they lost in the finals, you know, because right. they lost those guys. So if you're Patrick Mahomes, you shouldn't be talking about trying to go undefeated, especially with another game that's added onto the regular season calendar. You should be trying to win as much games as possible. Yeah, you want to win every game, but you take every game by a game-by-game basis, and you try to win each game. You don't, oh, I'm going to try to go 20-0. You don't do that. You try to win each game. And I think that, you know, look what happened to New England. Look what happened to Tom Brady. They won every game until they got to the Super Bowl, and they lost. So I think that Patrick Mahomes needs to get with the program. I don't like the cockiness that I see coming out of the Chiefs camp the last couple of years. Tyreek Hill came out last year and said they won, they was going to win the next seven. They lost last year. They got their behinds busted. So that's what you get when you come out with outlandish statements like this. And to put a bow to this topic and to my take, I would say this. I think the Buccaneers have a better shot of actually going undefeated than the Chiefs because – they have one of the easiest schedules in the league. The schedule gods give, and, and sometimes they collect. They gave the Buccaneers an easy schedule. Um, I believe they ranked number 31 in, in um, scheduling as far as the toughest schedule. So you talk about another year in that offense, another year in that system that was learned on the fly last year while trying to win games. They're going to have another year together. They're going to be off and running, y'all. And then the same thing about their division. Drew Brees is out of that division. Then he's not there anymore. The Saints may take a few steps back. The Falcons look like they're going to take a few steps back. The, the Panthers is trying to take some steps up, but they're still young. So I think that if anybody has a chance to win, um, 20 go 20 you know it's the Buccaneers without even trying and for me I just feel like you know my ever since when my home signed that big contract extension <laughs> last year he, he just he just got to ahead of uh, to ahead of himself I believe right now you know now that the NFL implemented a 17 game it's gonna be hard now it won't be easy it won't be a walk in the park you get what I mean and uh, also too Teams, teams in the AFC has has gotten better. The Miami Dolphins, watch out for them. Watch out for the New England Patriots. Even though people thought that New England was done, you feel me? Like what I'm trying to say is, there are some teams that's you know that's gonna give a chief um a run for their money. And I don't think you know defensively the chief, you know the chief don't have that defense that could carry them to a 20 and 0 season. You know what I mean? And mind you, the chief had one of the okay defense last year. So I just feel like Mahomes needs to be humble. Take it game by game basis. You get what I mean? Because understand injuries happen. You know, a lot of things happen. You get what I mean? So it's be careful of what you think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think that I have no problem with a player having confidence in his team, thinking that they're gonna win every time they take the field. But there's a difference between that and saying, I think we're going to be going 20, you know, that's what I'm trying to aim. And, and you, and you're putting that out there for the rest of the league to see. And I am in total agreement with Cam when he mentions that the AFC, I think has gotten significantly, significantly better over the last two or three years. I think that right now, this is the best AFC we're going to see uh, within, you know, really, I would say in the last four or five years, the NFC has had the Rams and the Saints and the Seahawks and the Packers and, the, you know, all these teams having their crazy battles. And, you know, we've had New England, we've had Kansas City come out of the AFC over the last couple of years. But between Josh Allen and Buffalo, between the defense that's being built in Miami, between Lamar Jackson and Baltimore, 
Cleveland, all the work they did. Don't forget about Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. Indianapolis was a quarterback away. Maybe Carson Wentz could help them turn it around. Derrick Henry and the Titans have been one of the more consistent teams in the NFL over the last couple of years, not to mention Justin Herbert and the Chargers yeah. in their own division. Exactly. exactly. There yeah. are just so many teams. I'm telling you, this is the best the AFC has been in the last couple of years. And I think that it's going to be a very competitive conference. And look, does Kansas City deserve to be the favorite in the AFC right now? Sure, they've made the Super Bowl the last two years. They have made three straight AFC championship games. And Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are a dynamic duo that, <coughs> excuse me, forced me reckoned with. <coughs> but we'll see. I would say this too. Um, <coughs> when you talk about the AFC as a whole, being great, you know, being better, which I agree with. I mean, it's not like they're only playing AFC teams on their schedule. They playing NFC teams, and the whole NFL in general is better. The worst team could be the Texans, obviously. It could be the worst team, but they still have Deshaun Watson, who, if he plays this year, I don't know what's going on with that case. But if he plays this year... You know, let's not forget Lawrence, Exactly. You got Trevor Lawrence. You got the Jaguars. They, they experimented Zach over there. Wilson. Zach Wilson, exactly. The league as a whole will be better. But also, let's bring them more closer to home. Let's stay in the AFC West. We going in the AFC. We going to the NFC. What about the AFC West here? The Chiefs are not guaranteed to win that division this year. I'm not saying they're not. If I had to make, a, if I was a better man, and I'm not a better man, you know what I'm saying? Maybe I might make a fan do one of these days, but I'm not a better man right now. <laughs> I will still pick the Chiefs to win the division. Yes, I will today. But it's not even a guarantee. The Chargers is going to be way better. They almost beat the Chiefs last year. The Broncos almost beat the Chiefs last year. They upgraded on the defensive side of the ball. So the Chiefs is not going to be a cakewalk in their own division, much less in the NFL this year. And that's why I think 20-0 is a dream that you got to wake up from and say, oh, yeah, I'm, it was a dream. I'm up now. You know, go ahead, um, Patrick Mahomes. Go to the bathroom, wash your face, brush your teeth, wake up from that dream and start your day and try to win some daggone football games instead of trying to go 20 and up. I agree, man. And also, too, like I said, <laughs> they're in for a rude awakening. They're in for a rude awakening. So I believe, you know, later on down the season. Everything that – I've watched football a long time. I know you guys have as well. Like, Everything about this just tells me this is a recipe for disaster. And yes. as, great, as great as Mahomes and Reed are, like, I was confident in the Chiefs going in the, into the Super Bowl last year, and we saw how that worked out. So, look, I'm telling you, the, the AFC is, is better than it ever has been. I love a lot of these young quarterbacks coming into this conference, and they better be careful, man, because, look, Kansas City is a great team, but, like, their defense is nothing special. Like, it's good, but, like, it's totally reasonable to see their defense take – a step back. Do they have that many great names that when you look at them off the paper that really pop your eye? Like Tyron Matthews is a good player. He played for my team any day of the week, but he's not Aaron Donald, you know, like, you know, there, there are plenty of other guys uh, out there around the league. So we'll, we'll have to see. I'll just add another take here because we got two minutes left. But um, I would say this to add on. You talked about that defense that the Chiefs have. We saw all the penalties, you know, all the whole, they're very, you know, aggressive when it comes to getting flagged, you know? So they're not the best defense. We saw how it hurt them in the Super Bowl last year. And another thing, too, you know, the, the blueprint is out there. The blueprint to beat the Chiefs is out there. And it was out there for a minute, but it wasn't properly executed until that Super Bowl. But now everybody has film on that Super Bowl. And also, it's another year. So we talk about the Chiefs, you know, little mini dynasty that they're going on. I'm not going to call it a dynasty, but it was it, it's starting to be. The, the, 
the um, fundamentals of a dynasty is starting to be presented. This is another year that teams have a film to watch on you. So you talk about the speed of the NFL and how the NFL gravitates to it quickly. This is year three. This is year four coming up. So this is another year that teams have film on you. So it's going to be much easier to compete with the Chiefs, you know. And I think that if you watch that Super Bowl, man, you make sure Tyreek Hill don't beat you over the top. If Travis Kelsey is going to beat you, let him beat you in the middle. But as long as you're on the offensive side of the ball, you put up them points as well and keep Mahomes on the bench, run the football, and know how to play them defensively. That's the blueprint right there. Easier than a fat kid eating a box of cake, brother. Simple. Tell me about it. All right, boys. Uh, any, anything else to go on this last topic as the show's running down? Nah, that's it. Great show, y'all. And I just want to say this real quickly, man. News alert in the huddle. We'll be airing on Can You Dig It Sports Radio. It's a sports radio station that I launched, and it will be launching in June 2021. The close is out for the 100 episode. We got some good news. I'm ready to work with y'all, fellas. Let's get it. Hey, man.